Well, hey there, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode's sermon, we're going to continue to explore stories about people who were around when the first Christmas happened, but we're going to be talking about somebody who missed out on that first Christmas. In this episode's sermon, we're going to be exploring the story of Herod the Great, the man that was king of the Jews when Jesus was born. And we're going to talk about his reaction when he hears that good news, the news that Jesus is born. And we're going to see how Herod's selfishness caused him to miss out on the very first Christmas. We're also going to be talking about how our selfishness can cause us to feel like we miss out on Christmas today, too. And we'll see what we can do to change that this year. So let's get right into this episode's sermon. So a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about a problem that we've all had after Christmas at one point or another in our lives. And it can happen at a lot of different times. Now, it could have happened for you when you were picking up all the shredded pieces of wrapping paper that were laying on your living room floor after all the gifts were opened up on Christmas morning. Or it could happen for you when you are taking down all the ornaments off of your tree and packing them away for another year. Or it could happen for you when you're saying goodbye to the last guest at your holiday meals. But at one point or another, when Christmas has come and gone for another year, we've all felt like we've missed Christmas. We've all felt like we've missed Christmas at one point or another in our lives. And when I say this, when I say that we felt like we missed Christmas, I don't mean this in a literal sense, like we somehow managed to sleep through December 25th one year. I mean this in more of the Charlie Brown sense. You guys remember Charlie Brown and his Christmas movie, right? Of course you do. It's the one where they've got the the poor, pathetic little tree, and Linus reminds us of what the Christmas season is all about. But do you remember how a Charlie Brown Christmas starts? It starts with Charlie Brown and his best friend Linus, and they are walking through a a beautiful winter wonderland on their way to go ice skating with their friends. But as they're walking, Charlie Brown and Linus, they start having a conversation. And Charlie Brown says to Linus, he says, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way that I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. And we've all felt that way at Christmas at one point or another. We've all felt a little bit let down. We've all felt a little bit disappointed. We've all felt a little bit depressed when the season has come and gone for another year. We've all felt like we've missed out on the point of Christmas. But that's also not the way that any of us want to feel. We don't want to feel let down. We don't want to feel disappointed. We don't want to feel depressed. We don't want to feel like we missed out on Christmas. So in our sermons this month, we're trying to keep you from feeling like you miss out on Christmas this year. And we're doing that by exploring a couple of different stories about people who missed out on the very first Christmas. And as we look at their stories together, we're talking about why it is they missed out on that very first Christmas, and we're trying to learn from them so that we can make the most out of Christmas this year. So let's go ahead and jump into the story for this morning. If you've got your Bible with you, let me encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. 
Now, the book of Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament, and the New Testament essentially tells us two major stories. The books in the New Testament, they either tell us about the story of Jesus' life, or they tell us about how our faith in Jesus grew and spread during the first century. And the book of Matthew, it tells us the first kind of story. It's going to tell us about Jesus' life, and that includes the story of Jesus' birth. But in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, he's going to tell us a whole lot more about the surrounding cast, the surrounding people in this story, than he is the actual birth of Jesus. And I want you to pay attention this morning to how the people in this story respond to the good news that Jesus has been born. So let's see what Matthew has to tell us. We'll start reading together this morning in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what Matthew writes. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled. And everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. Now, when we read these opening verses, when we read this story, we can start to figure out why Herod is troubled by the news that the wise men tell him. When the wise men come and they tell King Herod that there is a newborn king of the Jews, we can figure it out that Herod is troubled because he's the current king of the Jews. And if there is a new king that has been born, then that means that Herod's days as king of the Jews must be numbered. But what if I told you? What if I told you that there is another part of the story that makes Herod's reaction to the wise men's message a little more surprising? What if I told you that there's another part of the story that we've been missing when we've thought about Herod and Christmas for a long, long time? Let me explain what I mean. So Herod, Herod is the king of the Jews. But Herod isn't just the king of the Jews. Herod is also Jewish. According to one early historian, Herod was a descendant of a prominent Jewish family that came back to Israel after the Babylonian exile that happened about 500 years earlier. And based on some of the work that Herod does while he is the king of the Jews, it can be argued that Herod takes his Jewish faith at least a little bit seriously. And that's because Herod's greatest claim to fame, aside from being the king of the Jews when Jesus is born, is that Herod rebuilds the temple in Jerusalem. And saying that Herod rebuilds the temple in Jerusalem, it's kind of like saying that Walt Disney built another park down in Florida after they finished up at Disneyland in California. You see, before Herod came along, the temple was still a relatively small building. It was still about the same size as the tabernacle that we've read about in the book of Exodus. But when Herod rebuilds the temple to God, he doesn't just rebuild the temple, okay? He doesn't just build the magic kingdom. He builds Epcot Center, and he builds Hollywood Studios, and he builds Animal Kingdom, and he builds Disney Springs to go along with it, all right? Herod doesn't just do a small renovation on the temple. He builds up the entire area surrounding the temple. His project is, is so expansive 
that it takes over 60 years for all of the work to be done on the temple when Herod rebuilt it. So I think it's safe for us to say that anybody who's willing to put in that much time and that much effort and that much energy and that much money into building or rebuilding a temple, that they know at least a little something about the faith that their temple is there for. Now let me tell you why that matters when it comes to Herod. It matters because one of the most basic beliefs that the people of Israel had had for centuries is the belief that God will send a new king who will restore the kingdom of Israel. And we commonly refer to this king as the Messiah. So when the wise men come and they tell Herod about a newborn king of the Jews, they aren't really telling Herod that there is a threat to his throne. What they're telling Herod is that the king that every Jew has been waiting for for centuries, every Jew including Herod, telling them that this king has finally arrived. The king that is going to set the people of Israel free from Roman rule. The king who is going to restore the kingdom of Israel for good has finally come. The wise men, they tell Herod, that the long-awaited Messiah has arrived. The long-awaited Messiah has finally arrived. So Herod, Herod should be excited when he hears this news. Herod should want to celebrate this good news. Herod should want to go running out the doors of his palace to go see this baby for himself. That's not what happens at all. So let's turn back to Matthew chapter 2 and see how the rest of the story unfolds. We'll pick back up in Matthew 2, verse 4, where Matthew tells us, Herod gathered all the chief priests and legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, You, O Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people. Israel. Then Herod, he secretly called for the Magi, and he found out from them the exact time when the star first appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, go and search carefully for this child, and when you found him, come and report to me so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went and looked the star that they had seen in the east that went ahead of them, and it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they honored him. They opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And because the wise men were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. Now skip down with me to verse 16 to hear Herod's final reaction. We were told, when Herod knew that the Magi had fooled him, he grew very angry. He sent soldiers to kill all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the surrounding territory who were two years old and younger, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. So in this story, Herod hears the news that the long-awaited Messiah has finally come. This is news that Herod and all the people of Israel have been waiting centuries to hear. But instead of celebrating the news of the very first Christmas, 
Herod orders one of the most atrocious acts of violence in the entire New Testament. Instead of celebrating the birth of Jesus, Herod orders the execution of every baby boy in the area. How could he do that? How could he possibly do that? Well, to answer that question, I need to tell you a little bit more about who Herod was. Herod came to power during a tumultuous time in Israel's history. Israel was living under Roman rule, but there was one prominent family in Israel named the Hasmoneans who were continuing to fight for Israel's independence. And at the time, Herod was the governor of Galilee, but he had his sights set on bigger offices in the land. So Herod, he strikes a deal with the Roman Empire to betray the Hasmonean family so that Herod will be appointed the king of the Jews. So by the time that Herod turns 40 years old, he has been named the king of the Jews, and all he had to do to claim the crown was to conspire together with that little-known leader, Mark Antony, that you've probably heard of, to have the leader of the Hasmonean family, a man named Antigonus, executed. And once he became king, one of Herod's very first acts was to have 45 of Antigonus' supporters executed. And then, in a very calculated and shrewd political move, Herod actually marries into the Hasmonean family so that he can alleviate the threat of future rebellion from his, ne- his new in-laws. But that doesn't begin to alleviate Herod's growing paranoia. For as Shakespeare once put it, heavy is the head that wears the crown. So it doesn't take long before Herod begins to take other drastic measures to make sure that he maintains his place as the king of the Jews. It doesn't take long before Herod starts having his own in-laws executed. He starts with a nephew. He starts with a nephew that Herod himself appoints as high priest in Israel, but his nephew becomes too popular, so Herod has him killed. Then Herod moves on, and he has his own grandfather-in-law, his own mother-in-law, even his own wife executed. And even after all of these executions, Herod still remains afraid that somebody in his family is going to be out to get him. And of course, you can't really blame him because once you kill your in-laws, your family's going to think you're out to get them. But but Herod continues to execute family members. It leads him in his lifetime to change his will seven different times, appointing seven different heirs to his throne. And he even has his three oldest sons executed to keep them from trying to take the throne from him as he's aging in life. And folks, those are just the broad brushstrokes of Herod's life and his reign as the king of the Jews. There is no telling how many people died to help Herod try to sleep a little bit easier at night. So you could call Herod cruel. You could call Herod manipulative. You could call Herod power-hungry. You could call Herod paranoid. And it would still be a gross misunderstatement. And that's without a doubt why Herod doesn't hesitate in Matthew chapter 2 to order the execution of these innocent kids. When Herod hears the news that that there is a newborn king of the Jews, Herod knows, Herod knows that there can only be one king of the Jews and he is willing to stop at absolutely nothing to make sure he gets to be that king. And that's why Herod misses out on the very first Christmas. He misses Christmas because Herod 
is only worried about himself. Herod's only worried about himself. And I know what I'm about to say might hurt your feelings a little bit because none of us want to think that we could possibly have anything in common with a tyrant like Herod. But we can miss Christmas for the same reason that Herod did. We miss Christmas because we make it about ourselves. We miss Christmas because we make this season all about ourselves. I mean, just think about it for a minute. Think about how selfish we can all be at Christmas. And if you need a reminder about how selfish you can be, just think about the Christmas list that you've put together over the years. You know, it was just a couple of weeks ago that there was a 10-year-old girl, and her Christmas list went viral uh, when her dad shared this list on Twitter because of its outlandishness, okay? And I just want to show you a a little bit of her list, so we're going to put that up on the screen right now. And in case you can't read some of the stuff that's on her list, let me hit some of the highlights for you. Little girl starts on her list, and she asks for an iPhone 11. An iPhone 11 costs 700 bucks for the base model, okay? She also asks for AirPods. AirPods are little headphones that you wear in your ears, and those things run $250. She asks for Gucci slides, which are literally just flip-flops that can run over 200 bucks. She asks on her Christmas list for a Chanel purse that can cost more than I make in a month. And just to cover her bases, my favorite one is the line just above the one at the bottom. She asks for $4,000. And I'm not saying any of this because I want to criticize this little girl, okay? It's not why I mention this at all. I'm saying this because every single one of us has made a Christmas list that looks something like this one. Every single one of us has asked for some outlandish things that our parents or our spouses or whoever else buys gifts for us would never be able to afford. And that's just the presence. That's just the presence that we ask for at Christmas. And maybe you're not the kind of person that gets selfish when it comes to the gifts that you will receive. Maybe you're the kind of person who gets a little bit selfish about Christmas traditions. Now think about that one for a minute, okay? I grew up in a house where my little sister would get mad if somebody else decorated the tree and she wasn't there for it. So maybe that's the way that you feel. Think about it. Think about it. How would you feel if your family got together and they decorated the tree in your living room and they didn't include you in the process? Or how would you feel if your family got together to do all of that Christmas baking and they, and they, they got together, they did all of it, they may even made that special cookie that you love to make every single year, but you had to miss out because of a scheduling conflict? Or for some of you in the room, how did you feel the first time that your kids came to you and they asked to host Christmas at their house this year instead of going to your house like they'd been doing since they were first born? Let's be honest. We all get a little selfish at Christmas. We do. We all get a little bit selfish at Christmas. But we're not the point of Christmas. Let me say that again to make sure that you hear it. We are not the point of Christmas. And that's why we can, we can get everything that we want for Christmas. We can get all the presents. We can decorate the tree the exact way that we want to. We can do all of the holiday baking and every cookie and every candy can turn out perfectly. We can have the wonderful family gatherings and get-togethers and we can still end up feeling empty inside. We can get everything we want for Christmas and still feel like we missed out on it 
because we're not the point of Christmas. Christmas isn't about us. Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas isn't about us. Christmas is about Jesus. And that's what Herod failed to realize. That's what Herod failed to realize in this story when the wise men came to him and they told him about the newborn king of the Jews. All Herod could think about was what that news meant for him. He didn't stop to think for even a second what the news that the long-awaited Messiah meant for the rest of the world. He never stopped for an instant to think about what that news meant for everyone else. What that news meant and means to the rest of the world is that God loved you so much that He became like you. God loves you so much that He became one of us. And God did that because God wants to know what it's like to be you. God wanted to experience all of your hurt, all of your brokenness, so that God can heal us and God can make us whole. And that's the way that God feels about everyone in the world. Not just you. So if you don't want to feel like you miss Christmas this year, I want to challenge you to look beyond yourself this Christmas. Look beyond yourself And see the people all around you in the world. See the people all around you. When you're out doing your shopping and you're lined up for an hour and a half before you can make it to checkout, look at every one of those people standing in front of you and remind yourself that God sent Jesus for them. When you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic because you're driving Shelbyville Road and you're out in front of the malls for some silly reason this time of year, look around at those other drivers in the cars And remind yourself that God sent Jesus into the world because he loves each and every one of them. Look beyond yourself. See the people around you. And remember that God loves them so much that he sent his son into the world for them. Herod failed to do that. Herod failed to realize that the birth of Jesus wasn't just about him. The birth of Jesus was good news for everyone. And that includes everyone today. And there are people all around us this time of year, and every single day of the year, who need to hear that good news. That good news that God loves them. So notice the people around you this Christmas. Remember that God sent Jesus into this world for them too. And find a way to share that good news with them. Find a way to share the good news with them. And it can be as small and as simple as smiling while you're waiting in the checkout line instead of looking like you were in sheer agony. It can be as simple as cutting that seasonal cashier who's working the register at your favorite retail store a little bit of slack when he takes a little bit longer to get you checked out. It can be as simple as holding the door open while you're out shopping for somebody whose arms are loaded down with packages and presents. But this year, don't make yourself the focus of Christmas. Make Christ the focus of your Christmas. And do something. Do something to share this good news with others. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this story that we've heard today. 
the story of Herod and why he missed out on that first Christmas. God, we know that Herod made that first Christmas about himself. He never stopped to think about what this good news meant to everyone else that he was called to be the king over. He never thought about the people that were living in the city of Jerusalem or the little town of Bethlehem or all across the nation of Israel that you sent your son into this world die for. God, don't let us make the same mistake. Don't let us make ourselves the focus of Christmas this year. Remind us that Christmas isn't about us. It's about Jesus. And let us find ways to share that good news with the world that needs to hear it. The good news that you love this world so much that you sent your one and only Son into it so that all of us who have faith in you will not perish. We'll be able to spend eternity with you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. I hope that you learned a little bit more about Herod as you listen, but more importantly, I hope that you learned from Herod. If you don't want to miss Christmas this year, you can't let Christmas be about you. You can't be the focus of Christmas. So find some ways to focus on other people this Christmas. Now next week, we're going to continue to explore stories of people who were there, who were around during the first Christmas. But next week, instead of exploring the story of someone who missed that Christmas, we're going to talk about someone who had every reason to miss Christmas, but he didn't. Next week, we're going to be talking about Joseph. Now that episode will drop next Tuesday, and if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And before I go, I just want to tell you that just because this episode is coming to an end, I don't want you to forget what you've heard. So don't let yourself be the focus of Christmas this year. Focus on Jesus, focus on those people that God loves, and do something to show that love to others. And we'll see you back here next week for another sermon podcast.